0: that after the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts the word of God declared these men did amazing things and through the ages countless scores of people have experienced Jesus and the pardon and forgiveness of sin but our work's not finished come on saints of God our work's not finished because we too are his witnesses and we must tell the world of a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord there are a few things that will be posted on the screen for your observance and for the sake of memory not only is next Sunday Resurrection Sunday Easter Sunday morning but next Sunday is First Fruit Sunday amen and we trust that you have sought the face of God and what it is that you are to give and I'm certain that God would impress your hearts for it you're going to be blessed amen you know we began several weeks ago a series who do you say that I am who do you say I am it's evident brother Eddie that through the years some people have grown to understand who Jesus is next Sunday we're going to receive new members here at Harvest Church. Amen. That's worth giving the Lord praise over. And it's worth noting that during a pandemic, a full calendar year, that God has kept us. That God has watched over us. And that God has added to our increase. You really missed a good place to praise the Lord right there. Amen. Hallelujah. So, thank God for the privilege as the host church to usher in new members on next Sunday as God permits. Now, we believe, and this this is just Pastor thinking outside the box, we believe that through the years, down through the years from now, that we're going to still occasionally go outside for worship. Am I right, Saints of God? We're, We're just going to occasionally go outside for a time of worship. Now, believing that it would be very challenging to accommodate quite possibly the number of persons who would join us on an Easter Sunday morning. Weather permitting, next Sunday morning service will be outdoors. Amen. Amen. And we're looking for a great time in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I want you to pray this week that God would grant us cooperative weather, that we'd be able to assemble on the grounds reverence the Lord in worship on next Sunday, the greatest day in the Christian faith. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God together, found in the gospel according to St. John, chapter number 12, verses 12 and 13. states the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord the King of Israel continuing in the series who do you say I am I want to entitle today's message The Triumphal Entry. You might be seated in the Lord's presence. The Triumphal Entry. Hallelujah. Triumphal means that it's having a nature of victory. Triumphal means that it's relating to a triumph or a victory. Today, Mark's The beginning of Passion Week. The final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry. Also known in Christian circles as Palm Sunday. Scholars tell us that it marks the beginning of the end of Jesus' work on earth. We discover in the scriptures that while traveling over the Mount of Olives... Jesus sends two disciples into a neighboring village, the village of Bethpage. And there Jesus says, you're going to find an animal upon which I'm going to ride into the city of Jerusalem. He sends these two disciples and they're probably like you and I would be. They're probably puzzled as to what the response might be of an owner of such a beast. So Jesus goes ahead of them and and, and instructs them in this manner. When the owner might ask, what are you doing? Jesus simply said, respond in this way, the Lord has need of him. The Lord has need of him. And we'll find in the accounts of the scripture there was no argument, there was no issue, there was no debate over the owners releasing that animal to those two disciples. And he returns amen, with Jesus, those two disciples to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible tells us this in Luke 19, verses 29 and 30. Came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you where, as you enter, you find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat, loose it and bring it here. They did as the Lord instructed. They returned with that beast of burden. And then we find out that they begin to throw their own clothes upon that animal and proceed to place Jesus on his back. Luke 19, 35. Then they brought him to Jesus, threw their own clothes on the colt, and then set Jesus on him. As they made the descent down to the, from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem, it drew the ire of a, a crowd of onlookers. And they began to throw palm branches down in front of Christ as he descended to the city of David. What they understand at that point is that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus was the anointed one. Brother Eric, that Jesus was the Savior sent from God. But what they failed to understand is that it was not time for Christ to establish His earthly kingdom. Let's look at Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. The Word of God says, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. But blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. That's acknowledged prophecy. And the crowd, Sister Dale, acknowledged him verbally by shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, as recorded today in verse 13 of our text. Does anyone know what Hosanna means? Hosanna is a phrase that means praise. It means adoration. It carries with it the idea of joy. Do you think those folks were excited that they saw Jesus descending down the Mount of Olives on that donkey? Well, of course they were. They looked for a Messiah who could rescue them politically and free them nationally. But Jesus had to do, he came to do something greater. Does anybody understand that he came not to release them from the tyranny of the Roman Empire? But Jesus came to release them spiritually. And that's the part that they could not connect with. Because they were under such oppression, they longed for one who would deliver them from Roman rule. They were living in the present. But Jesus was thinking about their future. Hallelujah. He came to deliver them spiritually. Hallelujah. But I want us to understand something. I want us to understand how fickle we can be as people. You understand why I said this morning, Lord, help us not to be overcome with emotion. God, help us not to be all into our feelings. You heard that phrase lately? What's wrong with them? Boy, they're all in their feelings today. You ever, heard the, you ever heard the phrase, boy, they sure are moody. You don't think that we as people can have that disposition? That we can praise you one minute and down you the next? You don't believe that that can be us in the natural sense? I'm not talking, Brother Marty, about spiritually. I'm talking about in the natural sense. Because here's something we need to understand very clearly. And what's that? Is that the same crowds who, who shouted out uh, verbally, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A week later, they were shouting, Sister Dana, crucify him. It wasn't a different group. It was the same crowd. Oh, my, Pastor, you ought to preach while you're there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you there was great symbolism in the triumphal entry. Are you with me somebody? It's so significant that it appears in all four of the gospel accounts. And Jesus' purpose in riding into Jerusalem was to make public his claim to be both their Messiah and the King of Israel in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Let's look at Zechariah 9 and verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. For behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah prophesied this hundreds of years before this act physically took place. It's so sad that the crowds failed to receive Jesus as the Savior sent from God to save them spiritually for they only desired a Messiah who would lead them in a revolt against the Roman Empire. We can think we're in tune and miss the mark miserably. Am I right, saints of God? That's why that it's imperative that we know the voice of the Lord and that we move as God releases us. Some people say, I don't understand. I see people uh, that leave church all the time. I see individuals who were active in in ministry and I see people that left uh, various uh, worship facilities and, and I don't know what happened to them. Amen, I can tell us what happened. We moved out of the will of God. And that's a dangerous thing. But Jesus did not move out of the will of God. He understood that he was a king except the fact that he acted like a servant. Are you with me somebody? He didn't come a-tooting his own horn. As we read this account in the scriptures, it seems that the story is so contrasting as it applies to us as believers. Because we say, why would a king come as a servant? Why would one who had the majestic robes of royalty dress in the clothes of a poor man? Why would one hallelujah that could have called hallelujah the greatest steeds upon earth to mount but he chose to ride on a donkey it's a story of contrast it confounds the world they're puzzled right now scratching their heads at why that God chose such an avenue to introduce his son do we understand that in the ancient Middle Eastern customs, amen, world leaders rode horses to war? Are you listening? They rode gallant steeds into war. That was a symbol of their preparedness. That was a symbol of their strength, might, and power. But Jesus was the king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Pastor, what's the significance It was a beast of burden that symbolized peace. Did Jesus come to bring us peace? Oh my. He chose this method because it confounded the world. There are several recorded instances in the scriptures that signify this. Number one, in the book of Judges chapter number 10 and verse number 4. Anybody remember the theme of the book of Judges? The theme of the book of Judges is that every man did what was right in his own eyes. They didn't have a king. They didn't have a leader. So, Sister Pat, they took it upon themselves to be self-governed until God raised up judges. Amen. Brother Wesley, God raised up judges. And in Judges 10 and 4, the Bible said, Now we had 30 sons. Who rode on 30 donkeys, and they also had 30 towns which are called Havath Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Somebody said, Well, who is Jair? Jair, along with Tola, are two judges during this period of time that God used to save the nation of Israel when it was in a desperate need of judgment. You tell me he ain't an on time God, he's an on time God. They weren't promoting war, they were promoting peace. Riding on donkeys, symbols of peace. The second reverence is in 2 Samuel chapter 16 in verse 2 and the king said to Ziba what do you mean to do with these so Ziba said the donkeys are for the king's household to ride upon the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat in the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink let me rehash this story for you the Bible said that the son of David whose name was Absalom he had risen in rebellion against his father am I right brother Anthony you help me if I'm not in the book but the Bible tells me that he was running from his own son what are you trying to say to me pastor I'm trying to tell you that this Ziba glory to God brother Terry he was a servant of Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul the son of Jonathan who was dropped in a haste in in a moment trying to get away from someone trying to murder them and the Bible said brother Marty from that time on he was crippled on both of his feet but let me tell you what the man of God God did. The man of God, when he moved past all these distractions and disturbances in his life, he said, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may remember him? Oh, glory to God for his father's sake, Jonathan. And the Bible tells us his name was Mephibosheth. Ziba was a servant of Mephibosheth. And he, he offered these provisions. And he offered this transportation. Oh, glory to God. To King David. During a time that he was fleeing. All from his own son. And rebellion. That had risen up against him. I want to tell you it doesn't matter how turbulent life gets. Blessing will follow you. Are you with me? It doesn't matter how difficult the, the road to travel may seem. God's already made a way. That's why I said you need not to worry this morning. Some of you are a little apprehensive about the future. God's already been there. And I want to tell you he's working it in your favor and for your good. Oh, yes. I ministered on that subject many, many years ago. I've fallen and I can't get up. That was Mephibosheth, but how many of you know that God didn't forget about him, and he won't forget about you? all oh, my saints of God. Well, as we came to church this morning, we had a very clear understanding, Brother Tommy, that today marked the beginning of Passion Week. Somebody said, I don't understand Passion Week. Um, we, we have the understanding of the word passion all mixed up. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to tell us in a few moments what it really means. Just, just stick with me. Passion week is often called in Christian circles Holy Week. And it's a time on our calendar's mark that begins with Palm Sunday through Resurrection Sunday, Sister Sylvia, or Easter Sunday morning. And it's named because of the passion. Now how many think that passion has something to do with love? Come on, it's not a trick question. Y'all can can raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. How many many of us want to understand or have the understanding through the years that passion relates or is connected to love? That is not the definition of passion. The definition of passion is suffering, inflicted pain. Jesus Experience this willingly by going to the cross to pay for the sins of humanity. I want to tell you, nobody took Jesus' life. Are you listening to me? You can't take what somebody gives you. Come on, somebody. Jesus willingly offered his life. For the sin of all humanity. Satan would have you believe that Christ was stripped of his majestic glory and splendor, that he came to earth as poor as a pauper, born a baby in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem because God couldn't have chosen a better way. That's a lie if it's ever been told. Because I want you to know that even while on his way to the cross of Calvary, he could have called the host of heaven and aborted the mission. But I don't know about you. But I'm so glad he didn't go part of the way. I don't know about you. But I'm so glad he didn't take a detour. Somebody's going to get this in a minute. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he was already on God's positioning system. Hallelujah. And he already knew that he had to finish the work Amen. God had sent him to do and that was to die on a cross for the sins of all humanity. Oh, Jesus experienced life. He connected with it, brother Mike. He loved those disciples. The Bible said them girls came to him and said, Lord, if you'd have been here our brother wouldn't have died Jesus loved him and the Bible said in the book of John brother Jonathan that Jesus wept the shortest verse in all the scripture but let me tell you something Jesus knew who he was and he knew glory to God that he was going to raise Lazarus up from that grave and so he did and he raised himself glory to God in the power that God gave him just like he said just like he said Matthews chapters 21 through 27 record the story. Mark chapters 11 through 15 record the story. Luke chapters 19 through 23 record the story. John chapters 12 through 19 record the story. All of them describe the memorial events of Jesus' last week of ministry here on earth. But can I tell you a lot can happen in seven days. A lot can happen in seven days. Do you know that time and with God is everything? I remember in the account of David and his conquest. Oh yeah. They were encamped against the Philistines in the valley of Rephidim. And no doubt as men they feared for their lives. Brother Jody, they had more with them than David and his band of merry men had. But the Bible said that God sent instruction. He said, servant of God, when you hear the sound of a going in the mulberry trees, then it'll be time. I'm telling you, timing with God is everything. Because when the wind began to rustle up, oh, glory to God, in those mulberry trees, Brother Marty, it sounded like an army was... Pursuing an enemy, are you with me, somebody? So you know what that did uh, in the in the hearts of those who wanted to kill David and his band of merry men. It struck fear in their. I want you to know today. We've studied angels in our Bible study in in recent weeks past, and I want you to know whether you realize it or not. There are angels camped all around us. You better hear me today. When the devil tried to take you out, it was an angel whose hand protected you. Holy Ghost, help me for a moment here today. When he had you down on the mat and you felt like you couldn't go on it was the breath of God that hovered over you and breathed into you and brought resurrection power and restored you where you needed to be in the Lord that's right the scriptures declare we even entertain angels at unawares isn't that right so whether we realize it or not a lot can happen in seven days I'm not going to take the time to go through the events of all seven days. But I do want to take a moment to tell us about a few of them. We understand today's Palm Sunday. It commemorates the triumphal entry. What about Holy Monday? Oh, yeah, on Holy Monday, Jesus cleansed the temple. Wow, Glory to God. Hallelujah, God. Help me just a minute, Lord. Woo, and then it come. He was tired from ministry, and he was walking. Hallelujah. Are you with me, somebody, and he saw a fig tree? And when he saw that fig tree, Brother Anthony, can I help you for a minute? Oh, glory to God, Brother man! He was expecting there to be fruit on that tree. Because you want to know something unique about a fig tree? The fruit preceded the leaves. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. What you trying to say? The fruit was there before the leaves would come out. And Jesus was walking in ministry. Do you know ministry is tiring? Ministry will wear you out sometime. And that's why Jesus had to retreat, Brother Eddie, at times he had to rest and recuperate even though he was fully God he was still fully man and sometimes the multitude brother Mike would press him and he would just withdraw himself away from them why? because he understood the importance of rest and relaxation he understood the importance of recuperation come on somebody he walks by this fig tree he's hungry he's expecting there to be provision. And there is none. So on Holy Monday, Jesus cleansed the temple and he cursed the fig tree. Remember this somebody I want you to know this that fig trees can sometimes produce two to three crops each season and depending upon the climates and the conditions the fig tree might produce fruit for 10 out of 12 months. Oh you're going to get this in a minute because the fig tree it symbolizes something. The fig tree symbolizes blessing. The fig tree symbolizes prosperity for the nation of Israel and so brother Anthony in walking by that fig tree that was bearing no fruit and Jesus cursed it. He was saying something if we were listening. He was saying something if we were paying attention. What was he saying brother Mike? He was saying that the fig tree's death and the absence of the fruit symbolizes I'm about to release my judgment on the people. Amen for what they've done unto me. Jesus was pronouncing his coming judgment and not only that brother Alfred Jesus was pronouncing his power that would enable him To carry out what he'd spoken. He assembled his disciples together. And he told them that he was going to suffer death. They told him it ought not to be. But Jesus began to tell them. That even though that earthly structure would be destroyed. That in three days he'd raise it up again. Y'all ain't getting what I'm saying. What I'm trying to tell you is that not only did he prophesy. That he was, amen, God who had come in the flesh. He was prophesying. He was, glory to God, powerful. He was prophesying that he was authoritative enough. That he was going to make what he prophesied come to pass. Are you getting this, somebody? Don't get it twisted. He ain't trying to be God. He is God. He is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to move on. We, all, we, we know that a week unfolds on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. For the sake of time, I don't have time to tell us everything. Maybe it'll constitute the thought that you would go home and pick up uh, something of study and, and read this for yourself. It would be a blessing for us to know all the events that made up Holy Week. Let's go to Monday, Thursday. Some of you said, what Monday? Monday, Thursday. M-A-U-N-D-Y, Monday, Thursday. It's the fifth day of the Holy Week. And guess what it commemorates? The Lord's Supper. It commemorates the Lord's Supper. Follow with me, saints. You tracking? Are you there? Let's look at Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. Luke twenty-two, fourteen 14 through 20. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. He said to them with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup. We're going to take communion next Sunday. Amen. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God. Comes, And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Are you with me? What was Jesus saying? Jesus saying, What I'm doing now, you boys need to carry on after I'm gone. What I'm doing right now, this needs to serve as a reminder for you. Jesus said, What I'm doing right now is an open display of servanthood and of humility. And then the saints of God, the Bible tells us later on in John chapter 13, verses 3 through 7 oh glory to God Jesus continues to carry out the act of servanthood and the act of humility in ministry the Bible said Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God are you reading this? said he rose from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself Are you getting that, saints of God? Jesus was saying, I'm going to display in an act of humility and an act of service by washing your feet. Brother Mike, Jesus was saying, after I'm gone, do this in remembrance of me. I want to move on to Good Friday. Somebody said, I don't know why in the world we call it Good Friday. Somebody calls you get off work. No, you get off. They give it to you freely. Some of you take off because you call in line. It's a difference. Some places of business extend it as a holiday. I'm not that fortunate. Where I'm employed, it was a holiday that was stripped from us. So then my next question was, what will be next Christmas? Because it's a religious based holiday Good Friday I know you're puzzled as to why they call it Good Friday but it's traditionally celebrated as the day on which Jesus was crucified Good Friday somebody said I don't know how in the world we can call it good for what the Romans did to him are y'all listening I want you to know we don't call it Good Friday for what the Romans did for him. But it's what Jesus did for us. Come on somebody. I wish I could get one witness in this house. I wish I could get about three people that would raise their hand and say, Ah, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm riding with you on that one. Glory to God, it wasn't what uh the Romans did to him, but it's what Jesus did for us. Well, what did he do? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Somebody said, didn't you quote that last Sunday? I'm glad you were paying attention because I did say this in last Sunday's message and what I want to reiterate is this that that Peter said I want to sum up the gospel in four phrases amen what are they Christ suffered are you with me saints of God he was put to death also known as the crucifixion he was made alive by the spirit also known as the resurrection why so that he might bring us to God somebody need to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I build a bridge. Jesus, build a bridge. Hallelujah. That led us to God. Thank God, somebody. It wasn't what the Romans did to him, but it's what he did for us that is worth noting. Don't y'all shout me down now. But somebody in here better praise him. Are you with me? I said, don't y'all shout me down. Don't all of you take the floor at one time uh, giving him glory for what he did. Oh, glory to God. But somebody in this place ought to shout, thank you, Jesus. Somebody in this place ought to say hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Somebody in this place ought to lift both hands and say I was on my way to a demon's hell. But the long arm of the Lord reached way down and lifted me I don't know about you, but the psalmist said he put me up out of a horrible pit. He set my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my heart. Amen. He established my goings. Hallelujah. Psalm ought to give him praise in this place today it wasn't what they did to him but what he did for me oh well 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 somebody I don't know if I can tell it like I feel it but I want you to know till the day I die I'll forever be indebted to Jesus Christ I couldn't thank him enough We ought not have to be primed to worship. We ought not have to be pushed into praise. I'm going to help myself. You ain't got to worry about it. Oh, my, 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 when we think about what the Lord has done for us, it ought to come second nature. As a matter of fact, when we swing our legs off the bed in the morning, when our eyes open from a good night's sleep, we ought to find a way to thank him if it's not by saying anything. But, Lord, I just want to bless you. ain't got to be no crowd here, God. This is just you and me. This is just you and me. When my eyes opened without the aid of an alarm clock and I was able to swing both legs off the bed, that would have been a good time to say, Lord, I want to take just a moment and thank you for what you've done for me. I don't have to wait, Lord, till I get in front of a church full of people. I can do it in the comfort of my own home. Yeah, yeah, I can do it on my job. I can do it riding down the road in an automobile. Oh, glory, no wonder the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. If nobody else don't want to thank him, I'm going to thank him by myself. That's right. It don't take music to move me. It don't take a song. they compliment service. Yes, they do. Some of y'all still don't even understand what praise and worship does. That's the reason you sit down like a knot on a log. But what praise and worship do? Is they invite the presence of God. Ah, Holy Ghost, help me, this ain't in my notes. Help me just a minute. But after all that Jesus has done for us, it ought to be a small thing. Oh, glory to God, when we're summoned to get on our feet, when we're summoned to lift our hands, when we're summoned to raise our voices, it ought to be a small sacrifice of the great things he done for me. I want you to know, amen, it ain't about Good Friday because of what the Romans did, but it's about what Jesus did for us. Oh, I got to finish. I got to finish. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, oh, some of you get it next week. Praise the Lord. But Jesus moved beyond passion. Jesus moved beyond suffering. Jesus moved beyond inflicted pain to purpose. That's what the Bible tells us. He moved beyond passion to purpose. Some of y'all still like can't get you, you, you can't get that. It don't register. You can't understand it. Some of you never get his purpose to, because you're too bent on finding yours. Some of us will never understand what we've been called into this world to do because we have not totally surrendered to God. But if we totally surrender to God, he'll make his will known. Am I right? I know I'm right. Preacher, how can you say that and you you, you by vocational? You work a a job and preach the gospel, but it ain't going to always be. You hear me? I said, it's not going to always be. Some of you are doing things now you're not going to always do. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all scared to death God's going to use. You know what I say to that, Brother Ocean, is use them, Jesus. You know what I say? Lord, use them. God, in this end time, we need laborers in the field. Yeah, because the field is white with harvest. Are you with me? Sister Kelly, a lot of folks field churches Sunday after Sunday. And they think that they're just saved to be saved. They think that they're a Christian to be a Christian. But let me tell you what you're let me tell you what you're saved to do. You're saved to do ministry. When those boys were filled with the Holy Ghost, were they told to go home now and relax? They had to have the Holy Ghost to do the work they were going to do. i seen an angel last night. (laughs) Glory! Glory Hallelujah. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I lost my last mind. You don't know how many miles in the course of a week that my mind does log and that I too, like Jesus, can become weary. Oh, but over last night, in the hours just after dark I saw an angel come through my house hallelujah to God and it was telling me I got you covered and you're going to be alright and I felt his presence hallelujah so strongly. Ah, glory. I didn't ask God for it. I didn't tell the Lord that I needed confirmation but isn't it amazing that God always knows what you need even before you ask him. I didn't say Lord I'm having a hard time. I didn't tell God Lord the burden gets overbearing sometimes." sometime. Try to balance this thing sometimes it gets out of control but God let me see that he was with me and that no matter what glory to God that I would encounter he would never leave me You never leave me it's going to get tougher it's going to get worse before it gets better I gotta hurry The word passion derives from the Latin word pati, P-A-T-I. I told you earlier it means suffering. It means inflicted pain. It also carries with it the idea to endure and to suffer. To endure and to suffer. Let me help somebody. Historically here at Harvest Church, we've shown clips from Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, have we not? We've done this a lot of years. And what it does is it just provides us of a glimpse of the director's thoughts about Christ's passion. About Jesus' suffering. Jesus' enduring of affliction. But I want to say this. If you don't remember nothing else i tell you today. I want you to remember this. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the climax of human history. You hear me? It's the climax. It's the pinnacle. It's the highest point of human history. And it is the grand theme of the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified Paul was saying no other measure of degree or education even matters to me but with all my heart with all my soul and with all my might I'm determined to know Jesus Christ and him Crucified. Stand with me all over this building. Now isn't that a valid strategy for you and I to employ today? Forget about all the other issues that are presented before us on a daily basis. And focus, focus, focus on the crucifixion the resurrection the ascension the ministry the life of Jesus Christ that's a valid strategy because I'll tell you what happens in our world we all too often associate the word passion with love or some other strong emotion can I clear something up for you Jesus did not endure suffering because of some strong emotion. No. That's not why Jesus came. Feelings are fickle, folks. They change like the weather. Amen. Don't get caught up in them. It's not beneficial to you as a child of God and I want you to take time this week, matter of fact I want you to read it every day this week I want you to read Isaiah chapter 53 it only has 12 verses I quoted every single one of them in this service last week Isaiah 53 only has 12 verses and this is going to startle you it's going to startle you there's only one verse of Isaiah 53 that does not appear in the New Testament in either partial or whole form I'm not going to tell you what it is that'll make you do your homework one verse out of those 12 either partially or wholly that doesn't appear in the New Testament Isaiah 53 and in my closing let me say to you there is coming a day that according to Paul's writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter number 2 in verses 10 and number 11 whether we realize it or not at the name of Jesus every knee is going to bow and of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father can I tell you he's risen he's risen Hallelujah. He's not in a tomb anymore. He's not in a tomb. And I want to encourage you this week to read every single day. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. It's going to bless you. I believe that when Jesus rose from the dead, there was an eternal celebration in heaven. That part is still going. Because Jesus fulfilled what he said. Brother Anthony, I want you to know today Jesus loves you, son. I want every lost person under my voice today to know the depth of God's love. And I pray that in his own unique way, he will help me communicate that as often as possible until it registers in our hearts. Because the Bible says that Christ came to seek and to save not some of the lost but he came to seek and to save all that which was lost and I was a part of that all and it can change for you today if you'll trust Jesus can we pray for you our ushers are in place my wife is going to make her way to the front here in a few seconds We're going to be dismissed in an orderly manner as we have in several weeks past. You know, it's been a year since we were introduced to this pandemic. Now, tell me the Lord hadn't been good to us. He's been good. And I want to pray. I want to bless you. Can I bless you? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May He turn His face towards you. And may the Lord give you peace. It's my prayer today that in your every endeavor throughout the course of this week that God would go before you every step of the way. To the lost who are viewing this program via social media, to the lost who are listening by way of transmission today on 89.1 FM, let me say to you, Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago invested in the future of humanity made the single greatest transaction the world has ever seen his life for our sins may you find time in your schedule this week to call upon him and trust him for the salvation of your soul This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today is our prayer. Be safe until next week this time.